Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, episode 254. I'm your host, Jared White, joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. And we're like right in the midst of what I'm calling fantasy season, and not fantasy football, but just everything fantasy, medieval, all that shit is just, I'm just like feeling flourished. Like I'm in all these, I'm in Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which has been great, House of the Dragon kicking off, it just feels like... I'm into the the non or the fiction right now. It's feeling good where I belong. Yeah, the games cast is where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I have yet to catch up on Lord of the Rings, unfortunately. There's just so much stuff to watch and so much yeah. other stuff I'm doing that I I'm like I haven't been able to catch up. So planning to do that this week. Uh, three episodes out so far. I haven't been able to catch one of them. I'm up to date on She-Hulk and I'm up to date on House of the Dragon. It just so much stuff. Um, but it's good. Golden era of t- television. I wish I was caught up on Atlanta because the new season of that premiered too. The new season of Rick and Morty dropped. There's a lot of stuff to watch. And we have oh. Andor around the corner. So That's much right. stuff. Andor's coming yeah. up. I finally started Ted Lasso. And yeah, it's as good as everyone said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that too. Uh, a lot of those Apple uh, Plus series that... Uh, What's the one about the the workplace that's like a weird mystery? Yeah. Severance, I think. Severance. Yeah, I want to try that yeah. out, too. Even C, the one with Jason Momoa, looks cool. A lot of good stuff there. Uh, yeah, so this is episode 254. We're going to be talking about the three big events that happened this last week. Uh, but I first wanted to start off by mentioning uh, there was a huge round of layoffs this week in the games industry, which is a big bummer. Uh, our thoughts are with all those affected, including the staff of Fanbyte and G4 TV. Um, last I looked, the specifics of who was let go from G4 TV wasn't public yet, which obviously they have a lot of personalities there. Um, but for Fanbyte, I mean, it's down across the board. They just kind of fired everybody. And the way they did it was kind of brutal, too. It was like one by one over the course of several hours they were firing people. So it was just people like saying, oh, unfortunately, my coworker lost their job, not knowing if or when they'd be fired as well. Um, Imran Khan, who has appeared on kind of funny content, uh, has worked for IGN. He was, uh, the main news editor for, uh, Fanbyte. crazy enough. He was in Tokyo for Tokyo game show. He was working last night, woke up this morning to find out that he was fired because it's obviously the time difference. Everyone else knew that he got fired, but he didn't yet, which is very odd. And I don't know how that works either. Like, do they still pay? I'm, I'm obviously, yeah, they pay for his flight back. That whole situation is very odd. Games industry in general is a, it's a bummer because we tend to see these layoffs more often than we should. So just wanted to make mention of that. It's a bummer. Ugh. It's gross. Yeah, unfortunate. Hopefully all of those people land on their feet somewhere else. And if I was them, honestly, I'd probably try to find a job with their experience outside of the games industry uh, in terms of like journalism and news because that seems pretty volatile. Maybe go towards the developer side of things if they are. Still want to stay in the games industry, but we'll see what happens. Good luck to all those people. Let's get to these three big events. So we had the Disney Marvel Game Showcase on Saturday, or Thursday or Friday. Uh, I was originally going to do a solo show last week, but there wasn't enough news there to justify it, so I just figured we'd cover it this week with all the other stuff happening. The other stuff which we knew about was a Nintendo Direct, 40-minute Direct, which we'll get into. And then lastly was announced a state of play for September. Now, at the jump, it seems like these were both surprise announcements for events, but like I just mentioned, 
Tokyo Game Show was happening this week, uh, which kind of goes in line with a lot of the announcements we saw for both of these events, which we'll get into as well. Let's start off with uh, Disney Marvel Game Showcase. So the showcase was hosted by the amazing Blessing Adeoye Jr. of Kind of Funny. But content-wise, felt like a missed opportunity. Uh, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine being absent wasn't surprising considering their PlayStation ties. But the absence of Star Wars Jedi Survivor was felt, and we'll get into that. And it's unclear what the event will look like in the future, but the first run was middling at best when compared to its potentiality. Which is a, a new word I've heard from some people that I really like. These people that I followed that talk about like Marvel and MC and stuff like that, they use, often use the word potentiality. And I like that word because... Obviously, it's really? referring to what something could be. Uh, what was it? I, I don't like it. I feel like it's uh, unnecessary because potential works in the same sentence, wouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. I guess yes, but... Just sounds cooler. A couple extra letters. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it's. I think if you were to sit down and actually write the definitions of both, I think... I think potentiality maybe is more so for varied outcome, whereas potential is more po- is is purely positive. I guess that's how I perceive it. I know that's not the actual definition, but for me, when I think about just the word potential, I think most specifically about like the positive potential of something. Right? It's like oh, the potential of this thing could be so well. Whereas potentiality, I think in my mind is more of a range of like what it could possibly be ranging from worse to as good to better. I don't know. Anyways, I like the word. It's whatever we could. Tomato, tomato. Uh, there was, so there was four big announcements I wanted to cover. Um, but overall, I guess before we get into the announcements, how bummed are you not to see Star Wars Jedi Survivor, maybe some of these other games we assumed we would see, Dom? Yeah, I, I think I really got myself uh, way too hyped up for this one, for what it ended up being. <laughs> um, yeah, there wasn't. I think they showed a little bit of Star Wars Eclipse. Um, or they might have just no. given that sizzle reel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing we saw from anything that wasn't Lego Star Wars was all sizzle reel stuff. That's right. And then even for Lego Star Wars, it was just. Uh, it was even not very much there. It was just some characters um, as DLC or whatever. So, yeah, the, the whole thing yeah, was kind of a bummer to me. It felt really heavy on, on Disney. Um, the original kind of Disney character, you know, properties that you might normally think of. Yeah, less so on on the Marvel and Star Wars um, stuff. I guess we we saw some Midnight Suns. Um, there was quite a bit of Marvel. It was half and half mobile though. There was a lot of mobile stuff. Yeah. Um, so like that's the thing is I I tuned some of that out, kind of to be honest. Um, but yeah, I was a little I was a little let down. But but to you know my own fault really for like thinking that we're gonna see uh, Ubisoft Star Wars game and and things like that. So. Well, and we were in a place where, since this was the first time this event was happening, we didn't know how aggressive Disney was going to be in terms of Mm -hmm. strong-arming those partnerships to show stuff here, or if they simply were like, who wants to show stuff, and then the people who wanted to participate participated. Who knows if in following years that changes and they do want to have it be a thing where they are showcasing all their stuff, but as a first-time event, maybe it just was like, we're not going to be too harsh on people because like we didn't see Indiana Jones either from Machine Games. There was a ton of stuff we didn't see, um, and I doubt that you know Disney and, uh, doesn't want to showcase that stuff. But maybe it's just like they didn't want to go too hard on their partnerships and be like, "If you're down to show something cool, if not, whatever." 
Uh, and maybe behind the scenes, some of these companies have their own events where they want to showcase it. And Disney's like, fine, cool. But let's get into these four big announcements. The first one is Disney Illusion Island, which is a Nintendo Switch exclusive 2D platformer uh, featuring Mickey Mouse, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy. It's developed by DLala Studios, which, if that name sounds familiar, they did the Battletoads uh, reboot that came out a couple of years ago, okay. uh, which was really cool, stylized cartoon action. Um, yeah, I, I think this game looks interesting. Obviously, I love platformers. It looks a little floaty for my tastes, but I do like that it's multiplayer. You get to pick between those four characters. I'm curious to see how Rayman-like it is because a lot of it feels rayman influence in terms of both the movement and the inclusion of a separate weird alien creature species that lends itself to the narrative but isn't connected to the actual like thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like Mario with the rabbits. This is them doing uh, Mi- uh, Mickey Mouse with those weird rabbit creatures. Uh, did this garner your interest at all, or are you just like, oh, it looks fun, but not for me? Yeah, it was like, a okay, cool. that Someone will like that, but I'm not someone. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love the art style of it, though. Really cool. They could have easily just gone with the typical looks of those characters, but it's a very stylized uh, art choice that they did, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, next up, a uh, small announcement here, Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, it was delayed indefinitely, uh, and we weren't sure when it was going to be coming out, but we did know that the current-gen versions would come out before the past-gen versions, and we have a new release date. It's coming out December 10th, 2023, so it's still hitting this year. I'm pretty excited for that. Can dive into that for Christmas. I'm really looking forward to that game. Um, still no word on when the uh, past-gen PS4, Xbox One uh, versions are coming out. I wouldn't hold my breath if I was somebody looking forward to that because I could totally see a world in which those versions are simply outright canceled. Mm-hmm. Right? Wouldn't it be too <clears throat> shocking? Yeah, which would be a bummer, right? Especially when they were previously communicated as coming, right? But I also understand it, too, from a technical perspective that... It's really that's why I feel like we do a good job of praising, you know, devs when they do put stuff out across so many platforms. Like that's got to be hard to optimize for so many. So I certainly, um, as much of a bummer as it is, I can understand when they have to cancel some some of the old versions at least. Especially if through their research they're seeing the sales scope for this game and it might not be worth it to put it on those ones. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. just you know what I mean. The numbers don't check out. Uh, next up. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which is the big Ubisoft title, despite it being slated for 2023, there was like little to no additional gameplay shown uh, from what was already revealed, which was very odd. Honestly, we saw more gameplay for that weird mobile shooter game for Avatar than we did this, uh, which has me a little bit concerned. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if this game slips even out of next year. Um, am I just in those concerns, Dom, since we haven't seen much at all of this game? I mean, that's hard to say, but maybe as like that, because I know that movie is, is the sequel is going to come out not this year, it's next year, right? The uh, fact that you're even asking that is concerning. Let me let me see. Good point. So maybe like they're just waiting to really, you know, blow out the marketing. December of this year. So I mean, yeah, and maybe in a few months we'll see a lot more of the game to kind of line up with that or something. Um. And that's more the strategy, but in any, I, it, it was hard for me to get excited for this one in, in any scenario, but I, I'm with you where it's like they really aren't aren't doing, it was an uphill battle to convince me that I'd be into it, but they're just really failing even still. Um, 
that. Well, they, yeah, it's not even that they're failing to convince people who aren't interested. I think they're failing to convince people generally. Yeah. Uh, so it comes. The movie comes out December sixteenth. Uh, we have a date for the Game Awards, but I don't remember. I'm, it's between the eighth and the thirteenth. It's usually yeah. when it is. Earlier. Uh, so that would make sense if we saw maybe a gameplay demo, an extended gameplay demo similar to what we saw of Hellblade Two at the Game Awards for this game. That would make sense because mm-hmm. not only do you drum up hype for the game, you drum up hype for the movie, which comes out the following week. So we could totally see that happening. Plus, I, if memory serves me correct, Jeff Keighley's done stuff with uh, James Cameron before, so that wouldn't be too shocking either. If maybe we even get a a combo, right? If we get the gameplay extended demo and then we get a trailer for the movie because Jeff Keighley, unfortunately, has done those type of things too. Some weird partnership yeah. deals to feels, get the bills paid. That feels game awardsy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the one thing I, I want to end with the last announcement, which I think is the honestly, it's the one thing that provided reason for me to watch this event. It kind of like validated me tuning in for this live was the reveal of Amy Hennig's uh, and Skydance Entertainment's Marvel game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there wasn't a whole lot shown, but it has me excited for what it is. Uh, going into this, it was rumored that she's working and her team are working on a Captain America and Black Panther game. What does that mean exactly? Those rumors ended up being right. Uh, so it was revealed to be a World War II, uh, yeah, World War II Captain America Black Panther title described as a narrative, story-driven action-adventure title. The four main playable characters players will control throughout the game include Steve Rogers as Captain America, uh, T'Challa's grandfather Azuri's Black Panther, so you're not obviously using the Black Panther in the modern era because this is in World War II, so you're using right. his grandfather. Uh, Howling Commandos member Gabriel Jones, so if you're not familiar, Howling Commandos were the renegade force that followed with Captain America. Most people know the Irish guy, which his name's escaping me, but he's the, the big Irish redheaded guy with the beard. And a Wakandan spy named Nanali. And the tagline was like, two, four heroes, two worlds, one something. I forget the last thing. It looks really fun. I think one thing that got lost in the mix is a lot of people were reacting to this, Don being like, ah, I don't want a multiplayer game where each of us are controlling one of these characters and you're going through i think people got confused with that which i don't blame them because it was a little vague but knowing us covering this for so long we already knew her game was going to be story driven narrative focused they also confirmed through the description of the game that you're not playing as these four characters simultaneously it's you're it's they're like vignettes kind of where my assumption is you probably played through most of the game as captain america and black panther and there's small sections where you play as the Wakandan spy and the Howling Commandos guy, probably to give um, the audience a touchstone to the world, right? Because you're going to be playing as these powerful superheroes. You want somebody who's more relatable. That is the end to the story. Um, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see gameplay. I love the cinematic tease of Hydra and all of that. And I just want to see more gameplay. And my hope... And I'd put money on this being not an open world game. I think it's pretty safe to assume, right? That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. More closer to Uncharted or games Amy Hennig has worked on where there may be open areas uh, at its largest, but mostly very linear stuff. I'm super excited for this. No title yet. Uh, I think this game is probably two to three years away at best, right? Since we didn't even see gameplay, really. Yeah, but even then, um, everything that we heard from it, it's, I mean, everything we know about it and heard from it, it's just, this was kind of the one thing that, yeah, like you said, made this whole showcase worth it to me. And I'm super excited for this too, even like not having any 
serious touchstone with Captain America um, um, or Black Panther. I mean, I really liked the Black Panther movie. It was pretty cool. But otherwise, I mean, I watched it once and that was it. So and I've certainly not seen all the Captain America movies even, right? Um, or played that Avengers game. But putting that aside, you know, having like those two characters kind of together and, and the era that it's in, and obviously it's Amy Henning, like all of it just like, this sounds awesome. I'm so excited to see and hear more about like what the story is going to be more specifically and, and yeah, to see the, how the gameplay is going to function. I'm, I'm picturing too something more along the lines of like, you know, The Last of Us where you're playing some sections as Joel and others are as Ellie is compared to yeah. the, is compared to like a Gotham Knights where you can like switch between the four heroes when you want, right? That's what I pictured too. Though you're right, it didn't, the trailer wasn't super clear about that. Um, but yeah, everything about this, like this could be cool as hell. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to this now. I'm, I'm bought in. I'm ready. Well, and the crazy thing is we might be getting two AAA games featuring Black Panther because remember, we have that open world Black Panther game from uh, EA and the interesting thing with that, I don't know if you remember with the rumors, but that one you're also not playing as T'Challa, but you're playing as like his, his son or his or his daughter. I don't, okay. I can't remember if they said you could pick the sex, but you're you're playing as the person that follows his his footsteps. Whereas this one, obviously, you're playing his grandfather. That's gonna be really interesting to see. I hope, you know, the EA thing is concerning to me not so much because it's EA, because obviously that depends on the developer specifically, but more so the open world is a little bit scary. With this game, on the other hand, knowing Amy Hennig and the type of games they want to build, I think it has a higher chance of being higher quality because of the scope of how the gameplay will be designed lends itself to that. Whereas with open worlds, you're often stretched a little bit thin. Uh, with this, I think it'll be more focused storytelling. And honestly, I hope they explore the whole thing of you know, Captain America being a white man as the face of the United States and dealing with Black Panther, who's a black superhero. And this is in World War II. Not that anything's wholly better in 2022 in the modern era uh, for people of color, but especially back then, I think I really hope, and I have confidence in Amy Hennig in her writing and her team that they'll do some wonderful stuff there in terms of engaging that's, storytelling. So that's we'll that's honestly, I think, what puts it over the top as far as like my my intrigue in this is if it were if you were to remove Black Panther from this and it was just oh it's a World War II game with Captain America. I would be much, much less excited. Much less, right? Especially with what they showed. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. It. But that's like, I'm pretty sure like that's what that first Captain America movie was, more or less. And so it'd be like, cool, maybe. But yeah, having like Black Panther in here is like, and it's World War II, it's like, well, how is that? How is that going to play in? Um, and obviously the, the time period is what it is. And so, yeah, like, there's a lot going on here. And we know that she can write a good story, um, especially, too. Like, I, it also made me think of one of, the, one of the qualms I do have with Uncharted is, especially the earlier games, is they feel a little too uh, not grounded. Like, when you're Nathan Drake and you can jump ridiculous heights and, you know, climb onto things. Like, yeah. And things like that. And you're shooting and killing, you know, hundreds and hundreds of soldiers even though you're just a regular dude and there's nothing supernatural about you or whatever. It's just, that's, that's where it like starts to lose. It's um, you're uh, wanting you to buy in. I forget the phrase we always use, but whereas here, um, well, we have little Literal narrative superhero. dissonance. Is that what you're talking about? No, but I think that means the same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, but whereas here, obviously, Captain America, well, you can make him jump pretty much as high as you want. Or, you know, he's strong, etc. Black Panther 2. There's a little more freedom, so it won't feel as weird to do video gamey stuff in this in this game as it would have in Uncharted. That's my thought process. I'm, I'm psyched for this. Um, but it also, thanks for putting that damper on it, though, that, yeah, this is probably two, three years away um, at best. Because I needed that. I'm getting myself pumped right now. Well, and, you know, the other part is, like, World War II, obviously dealing with Nazi Germany, having a country of almost entirely black people in Wakanda, how does that factor into to the, the battle landscape? And, I don't know, it's going to be very fascinating. And I wonder when they were thinking of the game, maybe they were like, you know, no one's touching Captain America. Let's do a Captain America World War II game. And I bet you maybe a lot of people on the team are like, that sounds awesome, but we need a hook there to get people because that can sound kind of boring to a lot of people. And it's like, well, hey, can we add, uh, you know, Black Panther? And Marvel's like, sure, you can do their grandfather. And they're like, hell yeah. And it adds a little bit of a twist that does intrigue people outside of it just being a superpowered soldier in World War II, you know, white a white superpowered dude in World War II. So, is there, really excited. Is, is there like a comic story from any point in time that might this might be drawing from or is this does this kind of feel like a totally new thing so i'm not obviously a, a huge comic expert I, I know some stuff obviously there's tons of comics of captain america during world war ii mm-hmm. i have never read anything with a, a black panther aiding him in that i'm not sure if one exists so i can't tell you either way um but that is a good point because i might look into that now and see if there's something i could read about it because Mm-hmm. I don't even if it's not a crossover I think the idea of exploring Black Panther in the past because of obviously the racial divide in this country and the world in general is is really fascinating because most of the Black Panther I've read is in the modern lens which also obviously has a lot of you know social uh, exploration to discuss but yeah historically I, I'm not too familiar with a lot of Black Panther crossovers that's something I'll have to look into yeah we'll check in Next up, we had a Nintendo Direct. So this was the Tokyo, I label it as the Tokyo Game Show Nintendo Direct. They didn't officially list it as that. Uh, but they presented a brand new 40-minute Direct during the week of the 2022 Tokyo Game Show, which had a handful of surprises, but was mostly focused on farm sims and JRPGs, which unfortunately for people listening isn't necessarily Domini's uh, choice yeah. of video game. Um, <clears throat> but there was five big announcements that I wanted to mention. Uh, I guess, go, let me take a swig of water so I can clear my throat while I do that, Dom. What were your expectations going into this with all of the rumors, it being 40 minutes, all of that? Yeah, the 40 minutes thing really, um, it really got us going, right? We were we were talking about, well, how much of that 40 minutes is going to be Zelda games? Because, of course, the rumors were, this is where we'd see the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, you know, ports or, <clears throat> you know, Wii, Wii U ports, Switch as well as uh, Breath of the Wild sequel stuff. Um, so we'll get into what, what we did and didn't see for that. And then we also know with pretty good authority that there's a Metroid Prime trilogy remaster ready to go, um, apparently out there, that they've not even announced fully. So there's some things that unfortunately um, were expected based on leaks and rumors or whatever, but like but like. A, trusted rumors right when jeff grubb says stuff like that and says he's sure i'm like that should be right and so I well him mike minotti there was a bunch of people that were almost certain so 
clearly plans changed for Nintendo, but they didn't didn't include in this. Um, or yeah, for whatever reason, plans changed, and so that even though like this was overall a good showcase and it was long and a lot of stuff, um, it kind of like left me a little bit like bummed out uh, by the end of it too, which which is is I I feel so entitled saying that, but it's it's yeah those those rumors it it set me it sets people up for disappointment I guess so. I, oh well. Well, and you know, I experienced this from the MCU perspective because recently the Disney Plus day happened, and at the Marvel panel mm-hmm. going into it, there was rumors that they're going to announce the casting for Fantastic Four. They're going to do all of this stuff. Never confirmed, mind you. The event happens. We get a bunch of cool announcements, but they announce, "Hey, this guy is directing Fantastic Four. No announcements on casting today." And a bunch of people online were disappointed. But the reality of it is, and some of the people I follow that kind of understood this and thought about this themselves is Marvel and goes with Nintendo too. They don't owe you the things that are rumored because they never announced that they were going to be there in the first place. Yeah. And I think that's a tough pill to swallow. Like you can be disappointed in building the hype, but getting angry at the company for not delivering on a rumor they never confirmed in the first place is weird. And it's just a weird part of online discourse these days that being said uh there was a surprise metroid uh appearance in the direct and not a lot of people caught it and i actually want to mention it when we get to it uh and you'll see maybe you're wondering what i'm talking about so here are the big five announcements we're going to start off with the new batch of 64 games and nintendo 64 games so nintendo revealed that pilot wing 64 mario party 1 and mario party 2 will hit the switch online plus expansion pack this year in 2022 with Mario Party 3, Pokemon Stadium 1, and Pokemon Stadium 2, as well as 1080 Snowboarding and Excite Bike 64 coming next year in uh, 2023. And then lastly, GoldenEye 007 with online multiplayer is also coming. Weirdly, the Xbox version, which was the one we knew about, won't have online multiplayer. It's going to have achievements and a bunch of stuff, but it's not going to have online multiplayer, which is very odd. Like, ever? I don't know if ever, but it, it was confirmed by Xbox is not going to have it at launch at least. Which is like, obviously, Xbox has the better infrastructure. That's the place online. I'd want to play it online, exactly. <laughs> Especially compared to Switch. So that's, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't catch all that. That's really bizarre. But luckily, it's coming to Game Pass. So if you want to just experience that game again, uh, you don't have to pay for it if you already have Game Pass. This is where the Metroid uh, appearance was, Dom. On the top, when they showed off 007 on the top left, the player logo, player one, it had the Metroid screw attack logo, the S. Okay. Which is a very odd choice, I think. Like, why, inc- I'm not going full on tinfoil hat conspiracy theory and saying it was a it was a purposeful tease, but it is a weird choice. When people are expecting Metroid, and when you're showing off 007, you showcase a logo of the screw attack logo for the player. Very weird to me. It's like, was it, are they trolling us or yeah? Why? Whatever. I'm thinking too much into this probably. Um, Me too. I just thought it was weird. It was one of those weird, (laughs) like if I was producing this thing, I'd be like, can we get this uh, B roll again, but with a different profile? Like, I would be cognizant of like, why wasn't it just a picture of Mario's face? Or if there's new profile pictures coming with this game, have it be one of them or the rare picture? I don't know. It's a very odd choice to me. Out of all the things they could have chosen. 
uh, and maybe I'm naive, but I would th- I would have thought that enough people at Nintendo, you know, are watching this enough times before it gets played and like they're reviewing it and like making sure everything's good. I would have thought that enough people are watching that that at least someone would have recognized that and you know at least asked like what's the deal here why are we doing this logo right it could would, it could also be one of those things that it's like a cheeky nod to a future announcement but it isn't so much so a nod that it sticks out so that way people who do notice it in the future when something metro related is announced i can go back it's like oh they teased it there but maybe that wasn't even the intention mm-hmm. in the first place one of those weird things not a huge deal i just thought it was a very weird choice from a production standpoint Next up, we had the announcement of an unexpected sequel. Maybe expected, depending on who you ask. Square Enix announced Octopath Traveler 2, which is a sequel to the HD 2D JRPG that caught fans by surprise. It was kind of like the coming out party for that visual style of game that Square Enix has delivered. A quick turnaround too, Dom. The game's coming out February 24th, 2023, which is a part of, we'll get to these next couple of games, Nintendo's coming out of the gates in 2023 with game releases. Uh which is pretty crazy. Um, we'll get to, there's a game, they have a game coming out in January. They have this game coming out in February, and then they have obviously a big boy coming out in May, which we'll get to. The next announcement, which came out of nowhere, Pikmin 4 still exists. Uh, mm-hmm. The game was revealed by Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, which uh, it's dated for 2023. This game showed off years ago. They said it was close to the end of development, then it disappeared. Uh, the big thing here is he talked about the perspective players will experience in the game will be the big point of emphasis, saying that you'll be closer to where the Pikmin look at the world around them. Um, you know, I've never played a Pikmin game, but and we'll get to this in the section where we talk about what we've been playing. I played a bunch of Tinykin, and from a lot of what I've read, oh, Tinykin yeah. is very much inspired by Pikmin. So if this game comes out and it has good reviews next year, I might hop into it because of my experience with Tinykin. I do love the perspective of it. I love the tilt shift, uh, tilt shift look of it too. Um, I've always admired that in film and game and anybody who decides to do that type of look. Um, but yeah, it's weird that it popped up again. They started with the VR game, which got people worried of like, great, we got Pikmin again, but at what cost? And then they're like, actually, no, here's Pikmin 4. Um, I, I doubt you have anything to say there about Pikmin. No, I'm sort of similar to you. I've never played a Pikmin game, um, but I'm I'm certainly not opposed to taking a closer look and maybe checking it out. Um, but yeah, I'll keep an eye on it. It's kind of one of those like I'm. I think it's cool. Like I I know a lot of people love that st- uh, love those games. So this was yeah something that like I could at least recognize like was a good ad for this showcase. It just seems like a. You know, it has a chill vibe to it. It's the best I can describe yeah, it is what it looks like. And we, we don't have a whole lot of those games, so shout out to it. Uh, next up, the game that opened the show, Fire Emblem Engage, which I think is a pretty lame name for <laughs> Fire Emblem. Uh, but we can't have our cake and eat it, too, in terms of we often lambast Japanese developers for naming their games crazy stuff. This one is like the opposite. They went the opposite end. They went like super basic, boring. Um, so the newest entry in the series was revealed. Features equipable emblem rings that summon legends from the franchise like Marth. uh, And it'll launch January 20th, 2023. Of course, featuring the turn-based tactical battle system it is known for. Pretty cool. That means that in back-to-back months, we're getting Fire Emblem Engage and Octopath Traveler 2. Um, You know, for a while, we've had kind of, at least for me specifically, I've had kind of like a dry patch for Switch games. I'm going to be getting the new Pokemon game that comes out 
I think the last three games I've bought for my Switch are Pokemon games. Um, so oh, I'm, I'm really interested in Fire Emblem Engage, and I'm also interested in Octopath Traveler 2. I might actually go back and try out the, sec- the first one again because I didn't really vibe with me the first time I played it, and I, I want to give it a second chance. Um, I have been wanting to get into the last Fire Emblem that came out, but... Three Houses. Same here. Yeah. I haven't done it their, yet. Their games, like don't really drop in price that often. It's like mm-hmm. I have to go through a house. I don't like owning physical games. It's a big old thing. But this game what? looked really interesting. Uh, the protagonist looks dorky as heck with the, their split red and blue hair. It looks like a Pokemon character. Um, but other than that, it looks cool. I like the idea of summoning these legends from the past because mm-hmm. it's a way to follow the anthology-like way that Fire Emblem games come out, but also pay respect to the past of the series. What did you think about Fire Emblem Engage outside of it's a dumb name? Yeah, that's funny. I had like such a similar thought of it. Is a that's a an interesting choice for the name, and it didn't really make sense to me. Even compared to uh, the previous one, Three Houses, like that's pretty cool. And then it's obviously it's it two was, words, but it has much more character. Yeah, and it's unique enough, but you also you can understand it enough because at least those of us who've been watching Game of Thrones and stuff, it makes sense. Like, oh, houses are kind of like a family thing, and um, and obviously in that game itself, it's like, well, you pick one of the three houses, and that's kind of the the campaign you go out and it all just makes sense it's cool um and this is just engaged like that's a weird follow-up but nonetheless um this is really cool and then i think one of the coolest things about it you kind of alluded to is like january like we didn't even know it we assumed it existed right um a sequel that wasn't one of those warrior games again but we didn't know for (laughs) sure and um because yeah i feel like we've gotten like two at least two the Fire Emblem Warrior games since Three Houses. I might be, maybe it was just one, and then like two Zelda ones. But anyway, um, we also got that mobile game that was really popular too, which I don't remember um, the name of. Yeah, that's right. I forget about that. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's September right now, so like that's that's cool. Like it's coming in just a couple of months. Um, I, I'm with you. Like I I was so I've been so like teetering on the edge of of jumping into Three Houses, but just never did. Like never for some reason made the jump probably because the sales are never good and, and like the more time that goes on the less likely i am to pay 60 dollars for a game that came out increasing amount of time ago like so like what three or years or something which like, is a huge point. issue with nintendo in general for me yeah overall yeah exactly they've been slightly better this generation slightly sometimes stuff goes down on sale to like 45 dollars which it's just annoying that like every other publisher doesn't do that like you know, even the biggest games go down to like twenty bucks eventually, but not Nintendo. No. But this is cool for Engage. I think um, this was another one that just definitely can recognize that this makes this adds a lot to this showcase. It's really cool. Well, yeah, the, this was the opening, and it was that in its cl- the closing of the direct were the two strongest parts, in my opinion, of the direct. Mm-hmm. So at least they got that right. The beginning start yes, off with a bang. Absolutely. End of it was really good. And let's talk about that end. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, the highly anticipated game, now has both an official title and release date, uh, which is surprising because I think a lot of people anticipated we were getting one or the other at best. So it's Mm -hmm. cool that we got both. The official title for it is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which I think is a cool name. No one really anticipated that. Uh, I I think a lot of people thought it was going to be of the something, something of the something, but Tears of the Kingdom is really interesting. Uh thematically a lot of the footage we've seen is link falling and 
what else falls? Tears. What are tears in the world? Rain. Like, there's a lot of, you know, symbolism and stuff there, and it's really interesting to see how that's all going to come together. Slated for release May 12th, 2023. Uh, obviously, you're the resident Legend of Zelda guy here. Do you want to see, like, is the Game Awards too soon for you to want to see more of this game? Because we've seen a, 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 some of it. We have the title. We have the date now. Like, what do you want next for this game besides, obviously, it being in your hands? That's a good question because um, obviously the you know the easy question is are you excited which is yeah, absolutely it's like this is I'm super pumped for this and yeah the name is cool as hell um, you know much better than Engage um, but yeah that's a, like I don't know because it's May if it were like you know March then I'd be like yeah show me everything you plan on showing before release like the Game Awards I'd be into that um, but this point i don't know and i i think don't i think if i had it if it worked to me just don't just wait until you know march or february and you know well january february is where we get usually that the big direct for the beginning of the year so that totally makes sense too exactly so kind of do it then and hopefully hopefully instead at the game awards you have you know some other big nintendo first party stuff to show or you know quickly release too or game. even just the ports that were rumored. Exactly. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, it's not obviously not as big as if you had more Tears of the Kingdom show, but like if you could just be like, yeah, here's the here's the, the GameCube or the Wii U ports of the Zelda games. Like, that'd be great. People would love that shit, especially if they could say like it comes out in January too. So even though Tears of the Kingdom is not till May, here you go, guys. Something like that. Um, I think that fits well from like a marketing scheme or something like that. Um, because, yeah, we've seen a little bit of this game, but knowing that it's May, I don't, I, I want to kind of, I'm so hyped, I just, but I just want to forget about it for a little while and make time go faster. Not in general, but like time thinking about this game before I have it go faster. Um, kind of a thing. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, this is like, we're debating how are you going to tell me good stuff about this good thing that I'm super excited about? You know, um, it's all good stuff, and I'm gonna be happy to hear more about it, <laughs> whenever. So, yeah, I'm. It was, it was cool. Like, I'm. I was glad that we got the title, and and the date's good too. So, uh, I think it'll come quicker than you anticipate, Dom. Because think about this: there's a chance that you could play Starfield and Star Wars Jedi Survivor before this game comes out, and between both of those games, it'll you'll be spending enough time in those two things to where May might come a little a lot quicker. Do we have a Starfield date? Why do I think we do? Starfield is spring 2023. Okay. And Jedi Survivor was, I think, leaked as March. I believe March something. Okay. I think we have that date. Not officially, but it's pretty much all but official. And I was just looking at the schedule here. The other things, we have the RE4 remake coming out in March as oh, well. shoot. We have Redfall coming out in the spring, which looks cool. Yeah. Uh, Dead Space remake is January. Uh, we have Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, which I'm still super intrigued by, and I hope that looks good. Um, we have Alan Wake 2. We have a lot of stuff that... I don't oh, think yeah. Alan Wake 2 comes out next year, but yeah, we have a lot of stuff that could hold us over until uh, mm -hmm. until that game comes out. So we'll see what happens. It's The funny thing with Nintendo is they could do a 10-minute mini direct, announce the Zelda ports, and announce the Metroid Prime Trilogy release date. And people would lose their minds and love it, which yeah. is crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
It's so funny um, how they they do the directs they do, um, and and make these choices when like they have so many things in their pockets, so many level levers they could pull that would just set people off. You know, that would just light the internet on fire in the best way for them. But they, you know, they, they got to be more strategic than that, right? Um, yeah, especially with their lack of performance for their system, despite it selling astronomically. There's they have to make a lot of interesting decisions because mm-hmm. we have been in kind of we. We get these valleys and um, peaks with Nintendo with their releases too. And I don't want to throw shade because they did release a new Kirby game this year, which got really good reviews. I forgot about that entirely. That's on me. Um, but this direct has me convinced that we're seeing Silk Song. The only place we're going to see it is going to be the Game Awards or that big Nintendo direct at the beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. We know it's coming. We're. Assumedly, it's coming out before August of next year because of the Xbox thing. Um, and the biggest things to me are it's either Game Game Awards or it's the big Nintendo Direct at the beginning of the year where we could see more on uh, Tears of the Kingdom as well. So we'll see what happens. That was my one bummer of not seeing it because I just want to see that game to get the release date. But it'll happen when it happens. Next up, the last event, the PlayStation State of Play. <clears throat> talk about having your expectations in check. The moment this was announced next to Tokyo game show and people were like, could we see Spider-Man too? Could we see Wolverine? I was like, yikes people like calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say this didn't have some cool announcements and so we'll get into it. But yeah, I think people, most people tempered their expectations accordingly, but obviously with any of these events, I think more of the internet was incorrectly let down by this than the Nintendo one. Uh, in my opinion, anyways, I know you were pretty disappointed, but I think generally, people got way more hype about this incorrectly than they did the direct. Um, so it is what it is, but Sony announced a PlayStation state of play for September 13th. We saw it. It was short 20 minutes ish. They announced there's going to be 10, 10 games slash announcements for it. And they range from Japanese centric stuff to PlayStation VR two and services. There's a weird thing about PlayStation rewards, which is like, NFTs, not NFTs, like digital collectibles, yeah. which I thought that when they were going to talk about it, it was going to be similar to, you know, what Microsoft Rewards is, right? I think. But... So Microsoft Rewards is a program where you can like do stuff to earn points that you can spend on stuff. Generally, you can do it for search engines and all of that stuff. But yes. with Game okay. Pass, there's Game Pass quests. So like you play certain games, you get certain achievements, all of that stuff. Those also count towards Microsoft Rewards. And I ended up buying, I've been able to buy like a year's worth of Game Pass Ultimate through it just for me playing games and unlocking quests and stuff. Dude, and I, I thought didn't that's know what. Because I've been yeah. doing the browser ones and uh, just entering their giveaways with those points or whatever. Um, you do little quizzes and like search stuff. And it's actually kind of nice because you learn, it makes you learn facts that you wouldn't have otherwise. But I didn't know that they also had Xbox integration for that. So I'm going to have to look into this. This is cool. Yeah, there's an app on the Xbox that you can download called, uh, shoot. When we get off, I'll look it up and I'll send it to you on Discord. I can't remember the exact name. It might just be called Rewards, Game Rewards or something. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth it because you get to, to, to get points for stuff you're already doing anyways. Um, and that's what I thought the PlayStation thing was, but no, it's this weird decision. Um, anyways, let's get to the big four announcements, or at least the, the biggest ones I saw. First up, the Tekken 8 reveal to start the show. Obviously, we're not fighting game fans, but the next entry in the historic fighting franchise was revealed via an intense CG trailer, and it looked cool. I love the way it was the two chain links that looked like an 8 that morphed into actually the number 8. Um, 
I'd have to look into this, but this might be the first time in a while where we're getting a brand new mainline Tekken and a Street Fighter really close together, which is going to be huge for the fighting game community. Uh, two of the most premier uh, game franchises in that genre. Plus, what is NetherRealm doing? Is it Injustice 3? Is it Mortal Kombat 12? Because if that gets announced too, it's going to be a crazy next couple of years for the fighting game scene with those three games. Um, next up, this was really interesting. So during the state of play, a remake of a lost Yakuza game was announced titled Like a Dragon Ishin, which was like, okay, cool. People are excited for Yakuza. That's whatever. But then later at Tokyo Game Show, I don't know if you saw this, Dom. Sega announced that the Yakuza series would be rebranded to Like a Dragon. So it's not going to be called Yakuza anymore, which part of me was like, oh, that makes sense. Yakuza obviously is about Japanese gangsters, right? It's like the people with tattoos, the mob. Basically, the Japanese mob is a Yakuza. So from a marketing perspective, that it makes sense to distance yourself from that and make a more marketable franchise name. But there's actually more to it than that. So though odd, this new title closely relates to the series' original name, which is, forgive my Japanese, Ryugago Toku, which translates to Like a Dragon. Does that make sense? So it's, it's probably partially the thing I mentioned, but it's mostly probably this, they want to get back to the original title. The new name will be used across all future games in the franchise, so no longer will it be the Yakuza franchise. It is the Like a Dragon series, which, if you remember, the last one that came out was uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which was the turn-based... Uh, game uh, that came out to great success. People loved it. It's on Xbox Game Pass. It's on my downloaded list. I want to check it out. Um, so I thought that was an interesting tidbit there because we got the announcement of that remake of a lost game and then the bigger announcement of the Sega's rebranding a series, which isn't a small bit of news, right, Dom? Especially Yakuza as long running as it been for a company to be like, no, we're just going to rebrand the entire thing isn't a... It's pretty a pretty expensive choice to make, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, all your marketing and your branding and everything, that's a... That's a huge shift. That's a big investment change. So yeah, it's interesting. I didn't catch any of that. Didn't know that that was that was what was going on here. So interesting. Part of me also believes that through their research, they might have found that um, like a dragon might be easier pitchable than Yakuza. Because even me for years, Yakuza was always seemed like oh that's a J like a JRPG Japanese game that I'm not even gonna look into or vibe with. Whereas if something's called Like a Dragon, I think our our American brains are like, hmm, what is this about? You know what I mean? It's one of those a, weird things, unfortunately. It's definitely more uh, accessible. Although, I mean, you mentioned, so Yakuza is a real thing, a real organization. <laughs> the Yakuza are the Japanese mob, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of, I mean, I guess you don't want to, I could see wanting to kind of distance yourself from that, I suppose. But it's also cool. I mean, when you're talking about like marketing from games, like I get why that was the name in the first place, because like that's a lot of games have like you know provocative names, I guess. Um, so, but, but like a dragon is also obviously really cool too. So, <laughs> I, and reach another markets, right? Like America is pretty open to stuff like that. We're not as restrictive. When you look at, like the Chinese market, or I mean, even the Australian market is very restrictive on stuff too. Like if you have something that's less referential to a crime organization it might be better overall um also with brand like branding and partnerships with other companies too you never know how many people turn down partnerships based on the name alone you know what i mean that's a good point who knows and even even say you know mom i want the new yakuza game uh, what no like versus i want the new like a dragon game that 
if your mom knows what yakuza is then yeah well especially in japan right like imagine that like trying to sell yeah. your parents on a game named after the yakuza yeah which is the whole reason why like as a society japanese people tend to not be so trusting of people with arm tattoos uh foreigners or even people from there uh because the only people really in japan with arm tattoos like that generally speaking this is obviously an old adage it's changed over time is the yakuza I didn't so. know that either. Oh, crap. Yeah, really <laughs> fascinating stuff. Obviously, a lot of that stuff changes slightly over time based on generational thinking and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it is what it is. Next up, Rise of the Ronin. So this is a new open-world action RPG from Team Ninja featuring, this is what I wrote, featuring samurai combat, firearms, and a dope glider. Because uh, at the end of it, he jumps. This looks cool. It looks like Team Ninja's take on a open-world game. Combat looks closer to Ghost of Tsushima than you would think like a Assassin's Creed open world game, though a lot of it does feel like an Assassin's Creed open world game in the best of ways. It's not a knock on it. Uh, the visual fidelity I thought looked cool. I'm glad Team Ninja is able to work on something of their own. Are they the ones developing the Xbox exclusive? I'm going to look into that. Give me your thoughts on Rise of the Ronin. Did it catch your interests? Yes, this looks really cool. Um... I've been really into, I mean, starting with in 2019, Sekiro, obviously I got really into that. And then um, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, I also absolutely adored. And then after that, I got it really into Neo. And then this year I started playing Neo 2. I've been really loving um, all these kind of Japanese uh, samurai-esque games, you know, all like have variations on that genre, but, you know, like souls like versus neo with the more loot kind of uh emphasis going on in there and then ghost of tsushima more emphasis on like the open world nature of it kind of more like an assassin's creed open world game um and so on but i've been like realizing that like this is over the past couple of years like this is a genre that i freaking really like and it's just, it's just badass it's one of those things like i never kind of took for granted for too long that i, I, I can get into this kind of thing and so this yeah um you know it feels like another slight variation on that uh, so yeah i was super intrigued by this did you find out more about team ninja yes so okay. the thing i wanted to say is uh we, we're not going to talk about it on this week's episode because there's just so much to talk about but there was also the ubisoft forward that happened and they announced code red which is an ex-assassin's creed mainline yeah, game that's, right. that's taking place in japan and you're a ninja which is super dope mm -hmm. um so Wulong Fallen Dynasty was a Team Ninja game that was revealed at the Xbox event. Everyone was like, is this Neo 3? It's coming to Xbox. Turns out it was Wulong Fallen Dynasty, which is an Xbox exclusive. It's the one with the dragon. looked really dope. It had, obviously, signs of uh, Sekiro. And then, funny enough, this game showed up, and people were like, is this Neo 3? Turns out it's not. Crazy. Yeah, but it's, they're both by Fallen Ninja, or Fallen Team Ninja. Um which is cool. They're getting a cut of that pie. They're making a PlayStation exclusive. They're making an Xbox exclusive. Good for them. They're a very talented studio. Yeah. And as well-received as Neo was, I do think it was pretty niche in terms of the audience that caught onto it. So I'm hoping Wulong and Rise of the Ronin, which are both cool names, um, give them a, b a bigger stage for people to enjoy their, their development skills. And then lastly, we had God of War Ragnarok. So in addition to an official branded PS5 DualSense controller reveal, 
PlayStation unveiled a brand new trailer featuring the straining relationship between Kratos and Atreus, as well as a glimpse at the fantastical world players will experience in the sequel. Phenomenal trailer. Uh, this might be a hot take. I thought the controller was ugly. I just was not. A f- the coloring was cool, but the two wolf logo, not a fan of it, honestly, which is a shame because when we see the trailer and we see the two wolves in Norse mythology that are known for chasing the sun and the moon, so well done and so cool. Um, the giant jellyfish. This game is just going to be a visual feast. Uh, but yeah, the, I thought the controller was kind of bleh, but the trailer was incredible. What did you think? Yeah, they've been doing uh, ever since PlayStation Four with that uh, touchpad on the controller. I feel like they've done that a few times where they put some kind of decal. Uh, not that it's a decal; it's you know more properly printed on or whatever, but like some kind of artwork on there and that because it's it's a bit more of a canvas than you normally have on a controller. And sometimes I think that actually works against it. And I think I agree here. Like the colors of this controller are really cool and stuff. But um, and I freak I love wolves and like this should have been cool to me but i I, i'm kind of with you like it just is a little i don't want to say tacky that feels too harsh but maybe that's what it is no i'd say tacky like i think like uh like nordic runes saying something would have been cool i think nordic runes look really cool there would have been enough of them to fill up that space i think that's part of it too you said there's so much space there that the small little wolf logos and because they're they're like vertically standing wolves, right? They're not like horizontally like laying down or anything. They right. take up so little space that it's like just all of this white and these two little wolves. I don't know. Not a fan of it, but what it's whatever. The the trailer I think was the 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 main thing here. Yeah, I got my baby blue uh, dual sense already, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm so happy with that. That's okay. Um, but yeah, this trailer was so sick. Um, I I I lost connection for you for a little bit, so you might have already mentioned this, but. I think like the, the easy like standout moment from the trailer when Atreus, Atreus, um, Atreus, um, Atreus shoots that arrow towards the sun, and then the wolf like jumps after it, but then the, the arrow falling and it just kind of it like unzips the sky. That well, yeah, because in Norse mythology, those two wolves are known for chasing the sun and the moon. They're the ones who turn it from okay. day to night. It's so sick. Yeah. Okay, that's this is okay. This is making more sense. But I was like. My jaw dropped when I saw that. I was like, what <laughs> the hell is this? I was like, this is some Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart type stuff. Like, oh, we're just like, what are we changing into? I was like, are we going into a different dimension or a different world? Or is this kind of a traveling thing? But we're just changing from day to night. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I was going a little overboard with my predictions on that. But it was visually so cool. Um, obviously, really good choice to put that in the trailer. Um that was sick. Yeah, so much about this game looks incredible. I can't, the the fact that they chose the actor from West Wing, his name's escaping me to voice Odin, I think is an interesting choice because he doesn't he doesn't have the voice that you expect from Odin where it's this like very booming, deep, like commanding voice. And I wonder if that's intentional because, you know, God of War as a series likes to play with mythology and I think Thor is meant to be the big brooding both physically and personality wise the big brooding god that kratos is going to face down whereas i wonder if they're going to play odin more as like this manipulative intelligent deity uh obviously with his ravens and everything where he doesn't need to be physically imposing because he's just smarter than everybody um which obviously odin is extremely powerful in in mythology but i wonder if that's going to be their play on it where he is powerful but maybe not physically and that's where it's like the juxtaposition between him and his kids where they're physically imposing and he's more of like 
the man behind the curtain, uh, which is going to be fascinating. Can't wait for this game to get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still am worried is too strong of a word, but like I do think that this game might end up becoming closer to like this is a good sequel to a game I already loved as opposed to like this is the next step, which we kind of already figured that with PS4. Regardless, I think me and you are absolutely going to love this game. I don't see a way I couldn't end up loving this game. Um, and it's going to be tough to be Elden Ring for Game of the Year, any game, much less God of War Ragnarok. But I do think it's in that weird place where it could end up being a phenomenal game, but it's just going to fall short to its predecessor because it was such a change for the franchise. Um, but yeah, incredible yeah. trailer. Loved it. That's what's that's what's going to be interesting here is um like it gets you, it gets us back into that conversation of what makes a sequel great um because yeah this to be honest if there were not even necessarily any major new mechanic gameplay wise in this game and it was just a continuation of the last one um you know maybe some new weapons or some smaller new mechanics like it's it's hard to you know but the story is just as good and the, act, the acting and the characters in the world and everything is like it wouldn't be a disappointment at all. It'd right. be awesome. Yeah. It's hard for me to say like in any world that, that, that I'd be bummed out about that. I could still see I could still be like, yeah, this is still a masterpiece, even though it didn't revolutionize anything um, in, in any kind of way that like the previous one felt like it did. Um, I still would feel really freaking awesome about that. If that's what it was. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be some good twists and you know, things that they're going to have in here. Um, and that hopefully you know work out in a positive way that we haven't really seen yet. Right? Um, there's some good ones in in the first game that I won't just blatantly spoil right here. Um, some cool weapons and stuff like that that came back and different things and like even like having it just be one cut the entire game. Uh, even though you might not notice that necessarily um, unless someone told you, um, it's still really cool. Um, but yeah, and like the other thing I was curious about your thoughts on is I feel much more confident in the release date being what it is um after you know another good trailer here and we're in september now um i don't i feel like more confident that it at least stays in this year um because maybe we have to do something similar to like the last of us part two did where i think they delayed it like uh two weeks or something one of the last times uh that kind of thing but i'm starting to feel confident that this is in fact going to come out in november at least so i'm pretty pumped on that yeah and i think xbox not really having anything huge this fall or nintendo really outside of pokemon um i think that also helps playstation that like no let's just try our hardest to get it out this year and just own the entire holiday season i'm I'm with you too i'm pretty confident now that it doesn't get delayed uh mm-hmm. totally a chance but yeah i don't think it's gonna happen the one thing i wanted to mention too is this game i think is possibly alleviating the one quote-unquote weakness which at that point, you're cherry picking really with God, the original God. Well, God of War 2018 is enemy variety. I think that was a weakness to that game, um, which didn't negate the experience overall. But this one seems to have a crazy amount of enemy variety, uh, which is super dope and lends itself to building that world in general, where you're not it's feeling like you're facing like the same five to ten types of enemies all the time. Even uh, the yeah, bosses, some of them repeated um, those big trolls, right? Yeah, which Elden Ring was also guilty of to some extent as well. So, you know, games can be phenomenally great and still have some of those weird issues. No game is perfect. Um, that's it for the news. Let's talk about what we've been playing. I have two things to talk about. One is Tiny Kin, which I mentioned earlier. Phenomenal. Uh, I'm, I want, I'm curious if you ever ended up hopping into it, Dom. 
finished it, completed it, got all the achievements, perfected it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, so the narrative of this game is pretty much like whatever for 90% of this game. It's mostly just a platforming collectathon in the best of ways. You meet characters, they're funny, but there's nothing substantial until the very end when you get the reveal of like why this world exists, why you're so tiny, why everyone else here is tiny, why this like human house is abandoned. It's really good. <laughs> like out of nowhere. Like, you get to the last part of this game, and you're like, whoa. Uh, kind of caught me off guard. It was it was a really cool. Um, one of the most interesting ways to end a game and to get, like, a resolution of all this, because the entire time you're playing this game, you don't care that you're, like, this tiny person in this giant house. And, like, why are all these, like, bugs in, like, in this house? Why are they hyper-intelligent? What's going on here? It's not really something you think about, really. But as the game's winding down, you start seeing clues about, like, Oh, a family used to live here. Oh, this. Oh, obviously, I don't want to spoil it for people. Pretty cool. Kind of caught me off guard. Um, I think Tiny Kid will definitely be my top 10 for the year. I enjoyed it that much. Where it lands on there, who knows? But as an overall experience, like from a pure gameplay perspective, I think it's a fun game to play. And then I got the reward of playing through it and getting to that end and having a fun reveal that isn't like catastrophic or anything like that, but it is a neat explanation of the world you just experienced for i think like five to eight hours it wasn't too long of a game interesting now i was very curious after we after we talked about it like two weeks ago um but now i'm like okay now i definitely feel like i need to try this out um because before yeah the idea the concept was interesting and cool but knowing that like there's something cool and unique um in there uh as you as you progress like okay I, i'm gonna have to i did not end up trying it out yet but now i feel like you've convinced me um, even though I have a list of things, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's super fun. And the way they add the little tiny kin that do have different abilities is really fun. And like, it's the whole toy story aspect of it. The honey, I shrunk Eye kids that we talked about before where the later levels, there's a whole kitchen you explore. There's like a whole room that's set up like a carnival, like a toy room, but it's like a carnival, uh, type thing. It's really cool. It's a really fun game. I suggest anybody who's into platforming or collectathons or Pikmin. Obviously, we don't have experience with that, but that's been a, a strong uh, comparison there. Tiny Kin is a must-play this year, in my opinion. It's really dope. The other thing I played, Dom, I started up last Thursday and finished it yesterday because it was announced that this game was leaving Xbox Game Pass. And uh, I was like, well, I wanted to play this game before the sequel comes out in a couple of oh, months. A Plague Tale Innocence. I downloaded it. I started it. I got deeply into it. I finished the game. Boy, howdy. What an experience. Um, All I knew about this game going in is that it featured a, a girl and her younger brother and rats played a role. I knew it took place in France. Other than that, I had no idea what went on. Um, I can't remember. Have you played this game at all? No, I'm not. No. Uh, so I looked on how long to be and it was between eight and 10 hours. I was like, Oh, that's totally feasible in a week. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really fun. Uh, the majority of the game you play is the older sister. It's mostly a stealth game, which caught me by surprise. Um, and I think that's why people are talking about the new game, having a lot more active action in it where you're actually like killing soldiers and stuff is interesting and a, a leap for the game. Uh, you do, there is combat in this game loosely, and it's mostly about like stealth puzzles where you're trying to get around 
soldiers and watch parties and all that. Uh, there's a mechanic that gets added on later in the game that's a spoiler for the game, so I don't want to talk about that. But it's it's good. I think there's a reason why this game got a sequel and so many people like this game when it came out. Um, if you're somebody who likes narrative-driven games like The Last of Us, Red Dead, I think this falls in line. Obviously, it's more historical fiction, um, but it's good. The writing is fantastic. I you don't, We don't get to really play a whole lot of stealth games these days. So that was really fun and engaging. Um, I will say there's two parts of this game, two levels, where I got completely annoyed and super frustrated because I kept getting caught and the path to success wasn't very clear. I tried multiple paths. I was getting super frustrated. So it did have some issues there that I think they could fix in the sequel. Um, but boy, was the story engaging. We talk about being in a, a really good time for like high fantasy dom with the Lord of the Rings and the House of the Dragon. If anybody, if you're out there and you're interested in either of those, you should play this. Like I said, it's much more historical fiction than high fantasy, but the armor of the soldiers, the setting of the game, it's it's really good. I un- totally understand, and I'm super excited now for the sequel. I cannot wait for yeah. November 12th or whatever it is. So, because I, I was teetering on this, and like I kept convincing myself, eh, I don't know, I'm going to bother with it, but... um. Now I'm curious too, especially as you as you emphasize that it's like story driven and uh, that that part of it like well done. Now I'm like feel like I have to jump in now. Unfortunately, it's not on Game Pass anymore, but this also um, has me bummed out at my counter pick of the sequel in our fantasy critic league. Is, oh, I uh, forgot you counter picked that. Yeah, I think because um, you and I are coming up on you know what's projected to be a close finish, um, but that might end up being what sinks me because I could have made a better choice there because the sequel is i uh, feel certainly uh, it's just an ignorant pick maybe should have looked into this more but um well but and the thing with this game means... too is it doesn't it doesn't have the budget of last of us or red dead obviously few games do but i do think with the resources they had it looks like a polished like triple a game um visually like i think it looks good obviously it recently got a xbox series x update which enhance the visuals, which may be why it looks so good. It might not look as good at launch, but yeah, it's it's a story-driven game. It's good. Like I said, there are a couple of levels. I don't know if you'll get frustrated at the same one, but they didn't take away from my overall experience, and the story was engaging enough where it wanted me to continue playing to find out what was going on. has a, a solid twist at the end. Like I said, it introduces a whole new mechanic towards the end of the game. Um, it does a thing I like in a lot of stories, Dom, where... You start off with the set selection of characters. By the end of the game, you have like a group of characters that have come together for various reasons for a sole goal. And by the end of the game, you might not have all of those people around you for different reasons. So it's like you have this group of people, other people come into your life, you build those relationships, you get attached to those characters, and then some of them don't make it out. So it's emotionally engaging in that way as well. Definitely caught me off guard. Eight to ten hours, easy play, definitely worth it. Um yeah, so I'm excited for the sequel, Requiem. Right. That's pretty cool. Now I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to find some, find a way, find some time to get into this now too. I think. It, yeah, a Tiny Kin and a, Tiny Kin. Obviously, I want you to check out for the fun of it. A Plague Tale Innocence to me is like a dumbass game. Like it's a single player, story driven game. Uh, not too long either. Like I said, eight to ten hours. I I think you'd enjoy it for sure. Yes. I've not had too much. I've mostly been um, trying to catch up on all those TV shows we've been talking about. 
Oh, I know. <laughs> with any extra time I have, which has also been limited. Um, but I I did put a little bit of time finally into Knights of the Old Republic on Switch, which is feels silly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an almost two decade old game, but it is pretty unanimously considered like you know the best Star Wars video game that has ever you know made, and I've never played it. And it's also, you know, a Western RPG, which I love those. And yet still, somehow I never played this game. It was just something I missed as a kid. Didn't even, you know, know it existed. It probably was, you know, too much. Same. I missed it entirely, too. Though I wasn't as big of a Star Wars fan growing up as you are, so. Plus, I I never had the original Xbox. Um, I guess it it probably would have worked on 360, I I assume, too. But um, it just somehow was just out of my scope of vision and... Even at that time, too, I wasn't as much into RPGs. Mostly playing Halo and Call of Duty. But, nonetheless, this has, still to this day, evaded uh, my playtime. And, and I'm finally like, I see this is bullshit. I need to do this. I need to play this game. because Everyone praises it to the ends of the earth. Even though it's, you know, the gameplay's dated, graphics obviously dated, things like that. I decided, like, nope, it's on the Switch. It's portable. You know, no more excuse. I have to play this game. And so after a few hours, it has uh, been a little bit tough to get into um, just because of its age mostly, right? Um, camera control, the, the the way the combat works is like a little just different, you know, than modern games. So I'm trying to get through that. Um, that being said, already uh, it's like the conversations with the characters, um, um, you, you know, people join your party, kind of, you know, like a Mass Effect and all the NPCs you talk to and get quests from, it's like, okay, like you can see, you know, where this is going to be good. I've only even landed, I've been on the same initial planet too so far, which I assume that I'm going to be traveling. I would hope so. Um, but yeah, all the, all the people you talk to, the dialogue, the conversations, it's like, okay, this is, this is well done. This feels like playing the Witcher three with all this, you know, the quests, everything, every time you interact with the world, it's, it's meaningful and well thought out and just feels real as shit even though it looks muddy and jaggedy, right? Um, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trudging through it. Um, I, I got to imagine that as it goes on, it'll really get better too. Cause it does have this element of, um, I'm not much of anybody. I have very limited gear and weapons. I have like an actual, you know, metal vibro sword or whatever the heck it is. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to like kind of building up, um, getting gear and, God forbid a lightsaber at some point in this game. Um uh but yeah, they the way they're setting up the villains especially too who I've not yet seen is is really cool and I'm I'm just excited to like finally I've also never delved into any part of this timeline in Star Wars, you know, the super 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 prequel old um old republic timeline. So I'm excited to to get more invested in this part of that world that I I adore Star Wars, but I've never myself ventured out of the, you know, the Skywalker timeline. So old timeline wise, Old Republic is before High Republic, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. So this um, is like, I don't even know. I think a thousand or 2000 some years before Skywalker stuff. And then High Republic is like, I think 400 years before Skywalker stuff, which was why. This I like is like Dragon Age to Mass Effect, right? Like, obviously they don't take place in the same world, but like. It's like that's the difference of like high fantasy to like futuristic, right? It's like that mm-hmm. old. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I'm pretty stubborn on not wanting to go back to play them just because like I'm holding out hope that the remake is good because I want to experience the great parts of that game in a modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tried playing it a couple of years ago and to no fault of the game, it was just the, the parts about the video game medium and how games age that made it tough for me, which is unfortunate. It's more of a me problem. I think I have a hard time playing older games in, in general. Like, if it's a game that I didn't play when it originally came out, it's hard for me to fall in love with it. That being said, there are exceptions. Remember, was it last year I played Psychonauts 1 for the first time? Absolutely adored it. And that game was janky and old. (laughs) So, who knows? If I were to pick up Higher Higher Public, Knights of the Old Republic, I might enjoy it now. I've heard that you can get some pretty decent mods on PC, too, that improve the graphics a bit and fix a lot of the bugs and speed of gameplay that can make it a better experience. So I might look into that too, but I'm kind of going to be a little bit annoying and hold out for for the remake. God, I hope it's good. Which is what I had planned on doing until, you know, the recent news we talked about a few weeks ago, that (laughs) it's switching developers. Who knows how much of a do over they're taking and how much longer it's going to take. So I just said, you know what? Nope. I'm just playing the original. Let's go. It being on switch helps. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not like a remaster for sure. It's more of a port, but with a few tweaks, you know, it's at least widescreen, and um, there's a few tiny little things that I, I think they did to make it a little more accessible. But what you say about like it's old and hard to get into, like I absolutely know what you mean, and I'm kind of still stuck on that right now. But I'm just hoping like I can get past it and like fully, you know, appreciate the lore and everything that's going on. Um, and I, I well, and I, I do have to hope that I can get into the gameplay, the actual combat, a little bit better too. That's still been yeah, that's been hard to get into. And if I if I can't get that to click at least a little bit, then it's going to be tough because I think it's a longer game too. I think it's like you know in that thirty hour range. Um, well, and between us, like I love Star Wars, but not nearly as much as you. So it's even think about that too. It's a little bit harder for me too because I'm not as in love with the world of Star Wars yeah. as you are. Though I, I enjoy it and I I do like it. I would even say I love it, but we're you know, I'm if it's a a zero to twenty scale, I'm probably like at a thirteen, fourteen, and I think you're a twenty, twenty one, maybe breaking the scale. Uh, anyway, so that's it for this week's show. Um, we'll be back next week. I don't think there's any events or anything happening. Um, but if you can, please follow us on social on YouTube. Search Controlled Intro. So pop up, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Like the video so it helps the algorithm. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think the best Star Wars game is uh of all time maybe even of the last decade i think very clearly for us it'd probably be what star wars jedi fallen order yeah it's a yeah brainer for me yeah. with a bullet or, yeah i don't know the original battlefront and battlefront 2 are, are up there too though wait those aren't the last decade though good point i've just evaded your parameters <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the new ones which i definitely don't think have a chance um anyways you can follow us on twitter at ctrlint it's controlled interest abbreviated you can follow dom at obdom kenobi but the o and ob is the number zero not the letter o i am at jared weich it's my name j-e-r-r-a-d-w-y-c-h-e otherwise look on all the podcast services you enjoy spotify google play apple Podcasts, all that stuff and it'll pop right up if you search controlled interests until next time which is next week we'll catch you guys later <laughs>